Claremode. 1908. Brother, you asked me if I have ever loved. Yes, my story is a strange and terrible one. And though I am 66 years of age, I scarcely dare even disturb the ashes of the memory. To you, I can refuse nothing. I should not relate which such a tale to any less experienced mind. So strange are the circumstances of my story. I can scarcely believe myself to have ever actually been party to them. For more than three years, I remained the victim of a singular, a diabolical illusion. Poor country priest though I was, I had laid every night in a dream. Would to God it had been all a dream. Most worldly life, a damning life, a life of the serendipitous. One single look to two freely cast upon a woman, well nigh it caused me to lose my soul. But finally, by the grace of, of God and assistance of my patron saint, I seemed in casting out the evil spirit that possessed me. My normal life was long interwoven with an eternal life of a totally different character. A day I was a priest of the Lord, occupied with prayer and sacred things. My night, for the instant that I closed my eyes, I came a young nobleman, a fine connoisseur in women, dogs and horses, gambling and drinking blasphemy. When I woke at early daybreak, it seemed to me. On the other hand, I had been sleeping. I only had only dreamed I had I was a priest. With this symbolic life, there were now remains to me only recollection of certain scenes and words I cannot banish from my memory. Although I never actually left the walls of my presbyterpity, one would think to hear me speak that I was a man who really, of all worldly pleasures, had become a religious. Seeking to end a treacherous life in the service of God, rather than a humble semi-literalist who was a grown old in his obscure currency, situated in the depths of the woods, and even more isolated from life in the century. Yes, I have loved as none in the world have ever loved. It is sensuous and passionate, and fierce passion. So violent that I am astonished it did not cause my heart to burst asunder. Oh, what nights, what nights. From my earliest childhood, I have felt a vocation to this priesthood. So all my studies were directed with an idea in view. Up to the age of 24, my life had been only prolonged. Noted of it Having completed my course of theology, I successfully received all the minor orders. My superiors judged me worthy, so despite my youth, to pass the last awful degree. My orientation was fixed for Easter week. I never got into, into the world. My world was confined by the walls of college and cemetery. I knew in a vague sort of way there was something called women. I never permitted my thoughts to dwell on such a subject. In a state of perfect innocence, twice the only saw my firm and aged mother. And in those visits that were comprised my sole relations with the outer world. I regretted nothing. I felt not the least hesitation of taking the last irrevocable step. I was filled with joy and impatience. Never did 
betrothed lover count the slow hours, the more feverish adore. I felt I slept only to dream that I was saying mass. I believed that there could be nothing in the world more delightful than be a priest. I refused to be a king or a poet in preference. Ambition could conceive of no lofter aim. I tell you this in order to show you that what happened to me could not have happened in the natural order of things. Maybe you to understand I was a victim of inexplicable fascination. At last the great day came and walked to the church of step so light I fancied myself sustained in air. I had wings upon my shoulders. I believed myself an angel and wandered as sombre and thoughtful faces my companions. But there were several of us. I passed all the night in prayer. I was in condition lower high, nigh bordering in ecstasy. It, the bishop, a vulnerable man, seemed to me God, the Father, leaning over his eternity. And beheld heaven through the vault of the heaven, temple. You know what the details of that cemetery? Summary, the benediction, the communion under both forms, anointing of the palms of the hands, well, the sacraments. Then the lofty sacrifice offered in concert with the bishop. Our truly spake job, when he declared that the prudent man is one who does not make covenant with his eyes. I simply lifted my head. And which until now I had kept down, held before me so close, it seemed I could have touched her, though she was actually a considerable distance from me, and further aside in the sanctuary railings, a young woman, extraordinary beauty, a tiny with royal magnificence. It seems that those scales had suddenly fallen from my eyes, felt like a blind man who unexpectedly recovers his sight. The bishop so rapidly, radiantly glorious, but an instant before suddenly vanished away, Tapers paled upon the candle, golden candlesticks, like golden candlesticks, like stars in the dawn. Vast darkness seemed to fill the whole church. A charming creature appeared in bright relief against the background of the, that darkness, like some magic revelation. She seemed herself radiant, a radiating light rather than receiving it. I lowered my eyelids, firmly resolved not to gain upon them. I might not be influenced by external objects for distraction. I gradually taken possession of me till I hardly knew what I was doing. In another minute, nevertheless, I reopened my eyes, for though my eyelashes, through my eyelashes I still beheld her, all sparkling with prismatic colours, surrounded with such a parameter as one beholds in gazing in the sun. How beautiful she was, the greatest painters have followed the ideal beauty to heaven itself. Hence, hence brought back to earth a true portrait of Madonna. Never in delirations ever approached that wildly beautiful reality which I saw before me. Never the verses of the poet, nor the palette or the artist could convey any conception of her. She was tall of the form and bearing of goddess, a hair of a soft blonde hue, Parted in mist and float back over her temples in two rivers of ripping gold. She seemed a demimeared queen, a forehead blush white in its transversity. It spended, extended its calm breath above the arches of her eyebrows, which by strange singularity were almost black, and mildly relieved the effect of the sea green eyes 
and susceptible vacuity and brilliancy. With eyes, with a single flesh, they could have decided man's destiny. They had a life, a limpathy, an adore, a humid light. That which I never seen in human eyes, they shot full rays like arrows, which I could distinctly see enter my heart. Are you not in the fire were illuminated then? Came from heaven or from hell? But surely it came from one or the other. The woman is either angel or demon, perhaps both. Surely she never sprang from the flank of Eve, our common mother. Teeth of the most lustrous pale gleamed in a rosy smile. Every reflection of her lips, the little dimples appeared, the sainy rows of adorable cheeks. There's a delicacy and pride in the regal outline, a nostrils which seeking noble blood. A gait gleams played over the smooth, luxurious skin, her bare, half-bare shoulders, the syringes, the great blonde pearls, almost equal to her neck in colour or beauty, distended from her bosom. From time to time she elevated her hand, undiluting grace of a startled servant, of peacock, if I implying, implying, parting, a quivering motion of the high lace ruff which surrounded it like a silver trellis work. She wore a robe of orange-red violet, and from her wide emerine-lined sleeves were peeped forth partition hands of infinite decency, so entirely transparent, and like the fingers of Laura, they permitted the light to shine through them. All these details I can reflect at this moment as plainly as though they were of yesterday, for notwithstanding I greatly troubled at the time, nothing escaped me, the faintest touch the shading, the little dark speck of the point of the cheek, the impeccable down of the cor- at the corners of the lips, the velvety floss upon the brow, the quivering shadows of the eyelashes upon the cheeks. I could notice everything with astonishing lunacy, lunacy of perception. And gazing, I let, felt opening within my gates, and until then remained closed. Fence, long obscured, become all clear, building glimpses of unfamiliar perspectives within. Life suddenly made itself visible to me under a totally novel aspect. Rather than have been born into a new world, new order of things, a frightful anguish commenced to torture my heart and with red hot pincers. Every successful minute seemed to me at once, but a second and yet a century. My mother century was preceding. I shortly found myself transported far from that world which was my newly born desire of firstly besieging the entrance. Never so I answered yes when I wished to say no. For though within me persisted, protested against the violence due to my soul by my tongue, some occult power seemed to force the words from my throat against my will. That's it perhaps, as so many young girls walked to the altar Fairly resolved to refuse a startling matter, husband imposed upon them, yet not one ever feels attention. That it is doubtless, as so many poor novices take the veil, though they may have resolved to tear it into shreds a moment they called upon to utter the vows. One dares not thus cause so great a scandal to all present, nor deceive the expectations of so many people. All these eyes of those wheels seem to weigh down. Upon you like a cope would lead. Moreover, measures been so well taken, everything had been so thoroughly arranged for our hand, over a fashion so irrevocably that we 
that, that the real yields, yields to wait the circumstances that utterly breaks down. As the ceremony proceeded, the features of the fair unknown changed their expression. A look had at once, at first been one of caressing tenderness, changed an air of disdain and mortification. Though they not having been able to make itself understood, with an effort, a will was significant, significant to have outrooted a mountain, I strove a cry out. I would not be a priest, but I would not speak. My tongue seemed of a nail to my planet. I found it impossible to express my will by the least syllable of my negation. Though fully awake, I felt like one under the influence of a nightmare, who vainly strives to shriek out one word upon which life depends. She seemed conscious of what the martyrdom I was undergoing. undergoing. Though to encourage me, she gave me a look, repeat, replied with the divinest promise. Her eyes were pulling. Their very glance was so a song. She said to me, If thou wilt be mine, I shall thee be thee happier than God himself is paradise. The angels themselves will be jealous of thee. Tear off that funeral shroud in which thou art about to wrap thyself. I am beauty, I am youth, I am life. Come to me, together we shall be love. Can Joanna offer thee that aught in an exchange? Or they shall flow like a dream one eternal kiss fling forth the wine of that chalice thou shalt art f- free i will conduct thee of the unknown isles thou shalt sleep in my bosom upon a bed of massy gold on a silver pavilion i love thee and would take thee away from thy guard for whom so many noble hearts pour full floods of love which never reach even the steps of his throne his words seemed to float in my ears like a rhythm of infinite sweetness. The look was actually sonorous, and utterance of the eyes were re-echoed in the depths of my heart. Though living lips would breathe them into life, my life, I felt my will so willing to renounce God, yet my tongue mechanically fulfilled all the formalities of ceremony. The fair one gave me another look, so beseeching me, so desperately. A keen blade seemed to pierce my heart and left my bosom transfixed by my more swords and those of Our Lady of Sorrows. All was consummated. I had become a priest. There was a deeper anguish painted on human face than hers. Maiden who could hold of a fancy to love her suddenly all fell dead at her side. Of mother bending over the empty cradle of a child, Eve seated at the threshold of the gate of paradise, a miser finds a stone substitute for his stone treasure. A poet who accidentally permits the only manuscript finds work to fall into the fire, would not wear it looks so despairing, so inconsolable. All the blood had abandoned her charming face, leaving it whiter than marble. Her beautiful arms hung lifelessly on either side of her body, though her muscles had suddenly relaxed. She sought the support of a pillar. Her yielding limbs almost betrayed her. As for myself, I stuck at the board, adorned the church, livid as death, my forehead bathed with a sweat bloodier than that of cavalry. I felt as though I'd been, we were being strangled. The vault seemed to have flattened down on my shoulders. It seemed to me that my head alone sustained the whole weight of the dome. 
As I was about to cross the threshold, a hand suddenly caught mine, a woman's hand. I never till then touched the hand of any woman. It's cold as serpent skin, yet it, it's a press. Remained upon my wrist, burnt there, though branded by a glowing iron. Is she, unhappy man of every man, what has thou done? She exclaimed in a low voice, immediately disappeared in the crowd. The aged bishop passed by, and he cast a severe and scrutinizing look upon me. My face presented the wildest aspect imaginable. I blushed to turn pale, utterly Blazing lights flashed before my eyes. A companion took pity on me. He seized my arm, led me out. I could not possibly have found my way back to the seminary, and insisted. The corner of the street, while the young priest's attention was mostly turned in another direction, an eager page, fantastically garbed, approached me. Without pausing on his way, he slipped into my hand a little pocketbook with gold embroidered corners at some time, giving me a sign to hide it. I sealed it in my sleeve where I kept it. I found myself alone on a cell. I opened a class. There were two names within, bearing the words, Terramode, at Consolini Palace. So little quiet was I at that time with the things of the world. I never heard of Claremode, celebrated as she was. I had no idea to where the Consolini Palace was situated. I hesitated a thousand conjectures, each more extravagant than the last. But in truth, I cared little whether she was a great lady or cons- courtesan. So they could not, that, so that I could not, could but see her once more. I love, though the growth of a, into a single hour, had taken an imperishable route. I did not even dream of attempting to tear it up. So fully I was convinced such a thing would be impossible. Rome had completely taken possession of me. One look from her has sufficed to change my very nature. She breathed her will into my life. I no longer lived myself but in her and for her i gave myself up a thousand extravagances i kissed a place upon my hand when she touched i touched i repeated her name over and over again for hours in succession i only needed to close my eyes in order to see her distinctly that she actually present reiterated to myself the words she uttered in my ear and church porch unhappy man unhappy man what has thou done i comprehended at last the full horror the situation, the funeral, where when awful restraints of the state which I had just entered became clearly revealed to me. To be a priest, that is to be a chaste, to never love, to observe no distinction of sex or age, to turn from the sight of all beauty, put one's own eyes to hide, wherever crouching and chill shadows of some church or cloister, visit none but the dying, to watch by unknown corpses, even bear about. Out with one of the black subdoli, so tame as a garb of mourning for oneself, so that your, that your very dress might serve as a pall for your coffin. I felt life rising within me like subterranean lake, expanding and flowing. My blood leaped fiercely through my arteries. My long restrained youth suddenly burst into light, active, being like the low from which blossoms. But once again, a hundred years, then burst the blossom with a clap of thunder. What could I do in order to see Claremont? 
once more, and her pretext to offer for desire to leave the salary. But knowing any person in the city, I would not even be able to remain there for but a short time, only waiting for my assignment in the current currency, which I must therefore occupy. I tried to move the bars of the window, but it was an awful frightful height from the ground. I found I had no ladder. It would be useless to think of escaping thus. And furthermore, the same thence upon my night in any event. And afterward, now, should I be able to find my way fully accessible, labyrinth for streets, all these difficulties, which to many would be have appeared altogether insignificant, were gigantic to me, poor Samaris, who had fallen in love for only the day before, for the first time, without spirits, without money, without attire. Ah, cried I to myself in my blindness. Why not a priest? I have seen her every day. I might have been her lover, her spouse, and instead being wrapped in this dismal shroud of mine. I would have had garments of silk and velvet, golden chains, a sword and fair plumes like another handsome young cavalier's. My hair, instead of being dishonourable by the trousers, transora, would flow down upon my neck, waving curls. I would have a fine wax moustache. I would be gallant, and one hour passed before an altar. A very, a few hasty, articulate words have forever cut me from the number of a bit living. I had myself sealed down in stone by my own tomb. I had my own hand bolted on the gate of my prison. I went to the window. The sky was beautifully blue. The trees had donned their spring robes. Nature seemed to be making parade of horrible joy. A palace filled with people, some going, some coming, young groups, young beauties were sauntering in couples, towards the groves and gardens. Mary Hughes passed by cheering, trolling, refrains of drinking songs. It was all a picture of vicinity, life, emanation, gaiety, which formed a bitter contrast by mourning and my solitude. On the steps of the gate sat a young mother playing with a child who kissed its little rosy mouth. Still imperiled with a peril with the drops of milk and performed it in order to amuse it a thousand divine little puritries, such as only mothers know how to invent. Father standing at a little distance, smiling gently upon the charming group, and folded arms seemed to hug his joy to his heart. I should could not endure that spectacle. I closed the window from with violence, flung myself upon my bed. My heart filled with hateful hate and jealousy. Not my fingers and my bed covers like a tiger. It was been past ten days without food. I know not how long I remained in this condition. At last, there withering on the bed, a fit of spasmodic fury, I suddenly perceived that Abe Sarabon, who was standing erect in the centre of the room, watching me attentively, filled with shame myself, I should let myself fall upon my breast. I covered my face from with my hands. Remond, my friend, something very extraordinary is transpiring within you, observed Cerebon. After a few moments, silence, your conduct is altogether inexplicable. You always so quiet, so pious, so gentle. You took rage in your cell like a wild mad beast. Take heed, brother. Do not listen to the suggestions of the devil. The evil spirit furious that you concentrate yourself as ever for the Lord, the Lord, crying around you like a raving wolf, 
making a last effort to obtain possession of you, instead of allowing yourself to be conquered, my dear Raymond. Make to yourself a caress, a prayer, a bachelor, a modification, and combat the enemy like a valiant man. You will then surely overcome him. Virtue must be refrued by temptation, and gold comes pure by the hands of the Messiah. Fear not, never allow yourself to become discouraged. Most watchful and steadfast souls are oh, most moments liable to such temptation. Pray, fast, meditate, the evil spirit will depart from you. The words of Abidi, Abidi, Sabarilonpon. Restore me to myself, I became a little more calm. I can, he continued, to tell you that you have been appointed to currency of C, a priest had, who had charged, who had charge of it, had di- just died. Monsieur, the bishop had ordered me to have you installed there at once. Be ready, therefore, to start tomorrow. I was bonded with an inclination of the head, and the abbey retired. I opened my miserable swirl and commenced reading some prayers. But the letters became confused and blurred under my eyes. A thread of ideas entangled itself helpless in my brain. Volume last fell from my hands, but any about my being aware of it. To leave tomorrow without being able to see her again, to add yet another barrier to so many, although already imposed between us, to lose forever all hope of being able to meet her, except instead for a miracle, even in what right her, alas, would be impossible. But by whom would I stretch my letter with my sacred character priest? To whom would I dare unbosom? Bosom myself in this, whom will I confide? I become a prey to the bitterest anxiety. Then, son, then suddenly occurred to me the words of Baby Sabrinopin regarding the artificials of the devil, a strange character, the adventure, the supernatural beauty, Jamon Kellermond, a photosomatophotic light, her eyes, the burning imprint of her hand, egg in which she had thrown me. A strange change walked within me when all my piety vanished in a single instant. There and other things simply testified to the work of evil. One, perhaps a sainty hand, put the glove of which concealed its claws. The claws filled with horror. These fancies so again picked up the miserable. I slipped down upon my knees. I fallen upon the floor. and once more gave myself up to prayer. Next morning, Celebron, came to take me away, two mules freighted with um, our miserable values, awaited us at the gate. He mounted one, I did as well as I knew how. As he passed away along the streets of the city, I gazed eternally at all the windows and balconies in the hope of seeing Claremont. But it was yet morning, early in the morning. The city hardly opened its eyes. Mine sought to penetrate the blinds and window curtains of all plates, palaces, for which we were passing. So the poem doubtless attributed to Chris's curiosity and admiration of the architecture. He slackened the pace of his animal in order to give me some time to look around me. At last we passed the city gates and commenced about the hill beyond. When we arrived at its summit, I turned to take a last look at the palace where Claremont dwelt. The shadow of the great cloud hung over all the cities, contrasting colours its blue red roofs, 
were lost in uniform half tint. Those which here and there floated upward like white flakes of foam the smoke of freshly kindled fires. A single optical effect, one edifice which have pressed past and the whole height all the neighbouring buildings, is still dimly veiled by the vapours, tired by up fair and lustrous with a gliding gilding of a solitary beam of sunray light. Although actually more than a league away, is seen quite near. The smaller details of its architecture are plainly distinguishable. The turrets, the platforms, the window casements, even the swallow-tailed weather vanes. What is that palace I see out of there, all lighted up by the sun, I asked Serapine. He shaded his eyes with his hand and looked. Having looked in the direction of indicated, he replied, It's the ancient palace of the palace Kodoni has given to the Kokosan, Kalameld. Awful things are done there. At that instance, I knew not whether it was reality or illusion. I fancy it was seen guiding along the terrace of shadowy white figure which gleamed for a moment, passing as quickly vanished his clear mould. Oh, had she known that this very hour, all feverish of restless, for the height of the rugged road which separated me from her, which of last I would never more descend, rejecting my eyes upon the palace where she dwelt, and which, in, which a mocking beam of sunlight seemed to be nigh to me, though invented me to enter within as its lord, and doubtless she must have known of it, for her soul was too sympathetically united in mine not to have felt at least emotional thrill, a subtle sympathy, and must have been which prompted her to climb, although we clad in a nightdress, to the summit of the terrace, and icy dews in the morning. The shadow gained the palace, and the scene came to the eye, only a motionless ocean of roofs and gables, which one motorous was distinctly visible, set upon Erdogan's mule forward. My own at once followed at the same gate, the sharp angle of the road at the lost city of S, but never from my eyes as I was destined, never to return thither. A close and weary three days' journey, which through dismal field, country fields we caught sight of the cock upon the steeple of the church. I take charge of peeping above the trees and having followed some winding roads, fringed with fresh cottages and little gardens, we found ourselves in front of the facade, which has certainly possessed a few features of magnificence. A porch ornated with some mountings and two of these three pillars really hue for sandstone, a chill roof which counterfaults the same sandstone as pillar as the pillars. That was all. The left lay the cemetery, overgrown with high weeds and having a great iron cross rising up its centre. To the right stood a presbytery. Under the shadowed church is a house of most extreme simplicity and frigid cleanness. We entered the closure. A few chickens were picking up some oats scattered upon the grounds accustomed seeming to the black habit of the escharitics. They followed, showed no fear of our presence, and scarcely troubled themselves to get out of the way. Hulse, wheezy, wheezy barking fell upon our ears. We saw an aged dog running towards us. It was my predecessor's dog. He had dull, bleared, bleared eyes, grizzled hair, 
every mark of greatest age of which a dog could possibly attain. I read it gently, receded once to march along beside me, air of satisfaction unspeakable. A very old woman who had been the housekeeper for the film of cure also came to meet us, having invited me into the little black parlour, asked whether I intended to retain her. I replied I had to take care of her, a dog and the chickens, and all the furniture of master and bequeath her at his death. As this she became fairly transparent, transported with joy. Abby Saron at once paid her a price which she asked for her little property. As soon as her main installation was over, Abby Saron returned to the cemetery. I was therefore left alone with no one but myself to look for to the aid of console or console. The thought of Claremont again began to haunt me in spite of all my endeavours to banish it. I never thought it present my meditations. While an evening while parading parading in my little garden, along the walks blooded with box plants, I fancied saw through the elm trees a figure of a woman who followed my very movement beheld two sea green eyes gleaming through the foliage but it was only illusion of going round to another side of the garden i could find nothing except a footprint in a weak sanded walk a footprint so small seemed to be made by the foot of a child the garden was closed by very high walls i searched every nook and corner of it but could discover no one there i never, never succeeded in fully accounting the senses, which after all was nothing compared with the strange things that happened to me afterward. The whole year I lived thus, filling all the duties of my calling, with scrupulous escritude, praying and fasting and sorting, leading ghostly aid to the sick, bestowing alms upon the extent of frequently depriving myself of every, the very necessities of life. I felt a great elderness within me, the sources of grace seemed closed with it against me. I never found that happiness which was springing fulfilment of the holy mission. My thoughts were far away, was a clear mould, were ever upon my lips like an ordinary refrain. Oh, brother, meditate well on this. Though having but once lifted my eyes to look upon a woman, though one thought apparently surveil at Vainal, I have for years remained a victim to most miserable ordinaries. Happiness in my life had been destroyed forever. I will no longer dwell, I will not longer dwell upon these defeats or those inward and the victories, invariably followed by yet more terrible falls. I will at once proceed to the facts of my story. One night my delbell was long and violently rung. The aged housekeeper rose, open to a stranger, the figure of a man whose complexion was deeply bronzed, with richly tied a foreign costume, a pyramid of his girdle appeared under rays of Barbara's lantern. The first impulse was one of terror. The stranger assured her and stated he desired to see me at once upon all matters related to my holy calling. Barbara invited me home upstairs. I was at the point of retiring. The stranger told me that his mistress, very a noble lady, was lying by the death, desired to see a priest. I replied if not I was prepared to follow him, took with me the our sacred articles necessary Dream and a nation. I descended on all haste. Two horses, black as night itself, stood about the gate, pouring at the ground with impatience, and veiling their chests in long streams of smoky vapour exhaled. It's held from their nostrils. He held a syrup and aided me to mount upon one. 
Then, merely laying his hand upon the pommel, saddle, he kneeled and vaulted, and the other pressed the animal's sides with his knees and loosened rein. Horse bound it forward with the vicinity of an arrow, mine which a stranger took held a girdle. Also started off with a swift gallop, keeping up his companion. We devoured the road, the ground flowed backward between us, a long street line of pale grey, and the black silhouettes of the trees seemed flowing to us another side like an army of rout. We passed through a forest so profoundly gloomy, I felt my first creep in chill darkness of superstitious fear. The showers of bright sparks it flew from the stony road under the iron shod feet. Our horses remained blowing in a wake like a fiery trial. Had any of the, and any one of the hour or night beheld us both, my guide and myself, we must have taken up two spectres riding. We must have taken us for two spectres riding upon nightmares. Watch fires ever, and a bayonet fitted across the road beneath us. Before us, a white bird shrieked fiercely in the depths of the woods. Beyond there was held interval grove the fluorescent eyes of wild cats. The manes of horses became more and more dishevelled. Sweat steamed over their flanks, and a breath came through their nostrils hard and fast. Then we found them slack in pace. The guide renominated them by uttering a strange grutful earthly cry and a gallop commenced with fury. Last the whirlwind race ceased. A huge black mass pierced through the many bright points of light. Suddenly rose upon us. The hooves of our horses echoed louder than a strong wooden drawbridge. We rode under a great vaulted archway, which strangely yawned between two enormous towers. Some great excitement that eventually remained by the castle. Servants with torches were crossing the courtyard in every direction. Above lights were ascending and descending from landing to landing, obtained a confusion. Confused glimpse of vast masses of architecture, columns, arcades, flights of steps, stairways, royal volumetrous and ephelin. Magnificent a contraction worthy of fairyland, an eager page to say what who before brought me to the tablet from Kenemold, and whom I instantly recognised. A approach to aid me in dismounting a major domo, attired in black velvet and a gold chain upon his neck, advanced to meet me, supporting himself upon ivory cane, large tears were falling from his eyes and streaming of his cheeks and white beard. Too late he cried. Softly shaking his vulnerable head. Too late, Sir Priest, but you have not been able to save us all. Come at least to watch the poor, by the poor body. Took my arm and conducted me to the death chamber. I wept less bitterly when he, for I had learned that the dead one was none other than that of Claremold, whom I so deeply and so wildly loved. A prudy do prudy prudy do stood on the foot of the bed. A blush flame flickering in bronze pattern filled all the room with a vain, deceptive light here and there, bringing out in the darkness and intervals some projection of furniture or cornice. A chiseled urn upon a table, there was a wided white rose, whose leaves, set to one, and still held, and had all fallen, like almost tears to the foot of the bars. A broken black mask of fan disguises every variety, lying on the armchairs. What witness of death had entered suddenly, announced it as a stu- stupendous bit dwelling. 
Not daring to cast my eyes upon the bed, I knelt down and commenced to repeat the farms of the dead. We proceeding further, thanking God that he placed the tomb between me and the memory of this woman, so that I might therefore be able to utter her name in my prayers, a name ever sacrificed by death, by a further gradually weakened. I still insensibly into reverie, a reverie. Her chamber bore no semblance of a chamber of death. In lieu of the frittit, 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 and cavernous odours which had been accustomed to breathe during such funeral vigils, a languishing vapour of oriental perfume. I knew not what animus odour a woman suddenly floated for the tepid air. A pale light seemed rather twilight gloom could try a vulturous pleasure, the substitute of the yellow fricking wine rutch tapes which shone by the side of corpses. I thought eat upon the strange destiny which enabled the meat to clear mould. Again, at the very moment she was lost to me forever, a sight of regretful anguish escaped from my breast. Then it seemed to me that someone behind me was also sighed. I turned around to look. It was only an echo, but in that moment my eyes fell upon the bed of the death, which had till now then avoided. A red duskmask characters decorated with large flowers worked in the embroidery and looped up with gold bullion. Belial permitted to hold a fair dead, lying at full length with her hands joined upon her bosom. She was covered with linen wrapping, a dazzling whiteness which formed a strong contrast. The gloomy purple of the hangings that was of fine texture that concealed nothing but building body's charming form allowed the eye to follow those beautiful outlines, undulating like the neck of a swan, which even death had not robbed of their subtle grace. She seemed an ambassador's statue, executed with some skilful sculptor, placed upon the tomb of a queen, or rather perhaps like a submarine maiden, upon whom the sun of snow woven a spotless veil. I could no longer retain my constrained attitude of prayer, of prayer. the air of alcove intoxicated me, the bill of perfume, the half-faded roses, penetrated my very brain, and commenced to pace restlessly up and down the chamber, pausing at every turn before the bier of the complete, a graceful corpse laying beneath the transparency of its shroud. Wild fancies came thronging to my brain. I thought to myself, she might not perhaps be really dead. She might only have feigned death for the purposes of bringing me to the castle, declaring love. At one time, I even thought I saw her foot move <coughs> under the whiteness of the covering, and lightly disarranged the long straight folds of the winding sheet. Then I asked myself, is this indeed Claremont? Well, I prove for her that I did it. She, my she, might not have that black page have passed into service of another lady. Surely I must be going mad to torture and flick myself thus, while my heart answered with fierce throbbings. It is she, it is she indeed. I approached the bed again and fixed my eye with redoubled attention upon the object of my incertitude. Ah, must I confess it, the exquisite perfection, a bodily form, although purified, made scare sacred by the shadow of death. Affected me more verse lumpency than it would uh, should have done. A repose of closely resembled slumber. One might well have mistaken it for such. I forgot that I had come here. The former funeral ceremony. 
A fancy of a young bridegroom entering the chamber of the bride, whom the modesty hides a fair face. Those coins seek to keep the self wholly veiled, heartbroken with grief, yet wild with hope, struggling once of fear and pleasure. I bent over her, aghast, a cornered sheet. I lifted back, holding my breath, all the while through fear awaking her. While she's fought with such violence, I fell upon her, held them hiss with her temples, the sweat poured on my forehead. Dreams as though I lifted a mighty slab of marble. There indeed lay Kermold, even though they never seen her at the church on the day of my alteration. It's not less charming than then. Her uh, death seemed but a little. Last trajectory, the pallor of her cheeks, the less brilliant carnation, her lips, along her lettuce slowed, relieving the dark fringe against her white skin, led her unspeakable seductive aspect of melancholy chestify and mentally suffering. Her long loose hair, still intertwined with some little blue flowers, made a shining pillow of her head, a veiled nudity of her shoulders, with its thick ringlets, a bit of hand pure and some demonious than the host with a cross of the bosom attitude of an attitude of the pious rest, silent prayer served to counteract all that might have proven otherwise alluring even after death in its secreted roundness, the ivory polish of bare arms, with the pale ring braces had not yet been removed. I made long and smooth contemplation, and while I gazed, the less could I persuade myself life had really abandoned that beautiful body forever. I could, did not know whether it was an illusion or reflection of the limelight, but it seemed to me that the blood was again commencing to recirculate in the lifeless pallor, although she remained all motionless. I laid my hand lightly on her arm. It was cold, but not colder than the hand of the day when it touched mine in the portals of church. I zoomed my position, bending my face to wall above her, bathing her cheek with the warm dew of my tears. Ah, oh, what bitter feelings of despair and hopelessness. What agonies unnutterable did I endure that long watch. Vainly did I wish I could have gathered all my life to one mess. I might give it to all to her, breathe into her chill remains a flame which had devoured me. The night approached, a feeling of might. A moment of eternal separation approached. I could not deny myself a last sad sweet pleasure of printing a kiss upon the dead lips of her who had been my only love. A miracle, a faint breath mingled itself. My breath, a mouth of Kermode, responded to passionate pressure of mind. Her eyes enclosed and lighted up with something of their former brilliancy. She uttered a long sigh and, crossing her arms, passed them around my neck with long, ineffable delight. Ah, oh, it is thou, Romamode, she whispered. She muttered in a voice languishing sweet, a long last vibrations of a harp. What ailed these, dear sweetest? Dear, dear, dearest, I waited so long that thee, I was dead, and I am now betrothed. I see that we visit thee, and adieu, Raymond, adieu. I love thee, that is all I wish to tell thee. I give thee back by the life that I, which I kiss a moment of cord. We shall meet, soon meet again. Her head fell back, but her arms yet encircled me, as though you were me still. A fresh whirlwind suddenly burst in the window and entered the chamber. The last remaining leaf of the white rose a moment pulpated a extremity of the stalk like a butterfly's wing. It detaches from and flew forth in the open casement, bearing with it the soul of Claremont. 
lamp was distinguished, I fell insensibly upon the bosom of the beautiful dead. I came to myself again, I was lying on the bed, my own little room, the Percibury, the old dog of the former courier, the leg in my hand, I had been hanging down outside of the covers, Barbara was trembling with age and anxiety, was busying herself upon the room, opening and shutting drawers and emptying powders to glasses. And seeing me open my eyes, the old woman uttered a cry of joy, dug yelped and wagged his tail. I was still weak, so weak I could not speak a word, a single word, or make the slightest motion. Other than learn I believed this for three days, given evidence of life beyond the faintest respiration. Those three days did not reckon my life, nor could I ever imagine whether my spirit had departed during those three days. I had no recollection aught relating to them. Barbara told me that some coppery complexion man came to seek me on the night of my departure from the Paris me, brought me back the next morning with a little, close to little litter, and departed immediately afterwards. I came able to reflect my scattered thoughts, or renewed within my mind all the circumstances that fateful night. At first I thought I had been the victim of some magical illusion, but ere long the recollection of some circumstances, real, credible in themselves, came to forbid that superstition. I could not believe I had been dreaming, since Barbara, as well as myself, had seen a strange man with two black horses, striving as Agnes every detail of his figure and apparel. Nevertheless, it appeared that none knew any castle neighbourhood answering to the description of that which I found. I again found Claremont. One morning I found the Abbey Sopran. I rode Barbara advising that I was ill. He come with all speed to see me. The only taste of my part satisfied her affection interested me. His visit did not cause me the pleasure which it should have done. Abbey Sopran had something penetrating. Inquisical in his glaze that made me feel very ill at ease. His presence filled me with embarrassment, a sense of guilt. First glance he divined my interior trouble. I hated him for his conveyance. While he inquired about my health, my, in my hypocritically honed accents, he consistently kept his two great yellow lion eyes fixed upon me, plunged look into my soul, a sounding lead. And he asked me how he wrecked my parish, if I was happy in it, how I passed the ledger hours without me, intervals of flourish-free duty, wherein I become acquainted with many of the habits of the place, with my favourite reading and a thousand other such questions. I answered these very inquiries, the brief impossible, even without ever waiting for my answers, passed rapidly from one subject to read another. A conversation eventually no connection, but he actually wished the same. I asked without my permission, any permission, but as though repeating a piece of news which recalled on an instant, fear might otherwise be forgotten. So quickly he suddenly said, clear, vibrant voice, which rang in my ears like trumpets, last judgment. The great Kosian Kermo died a few days ago, close of my orgy, which lasted eight days and eight nights. Something infernally splendid, the emanations of the banquets of Bezadar. Cleopatra reenacted there. Good God, what age that are we living in? A guest was served by slavey slaves who spoke an unknown tongue, seemed to me to be invariable demons. A library at the very least among them, and was served of the address of an emperor. There have always been very strange stories told at this clear mould. All lovers came to a violent, a miserable end. They said, they used to say, Shugul, female vampire, 
I leave you no mother that bells above us himself. Cease to talk commenced to grow me more intently than ever. As those who observed the effect of his words on me, I could not refrain from startling. When I heard him utter the name of Claremont, his news of a death in addition to the pain it caused my reason, the coincidence with the neutrinal scenes I had witnessed, filled me with agony and the terror with my face betrayed despite my utterest endeavours to appear composed. So upon fixed and anxious and severe look upon me, then reserved my son, I must warn you, been standing with the foot raised upon the brink of the abyss. Take heed, lest you fall in. Same claws are long, and tombs are not always true to their trust. The tombstone of mold have been could be sealed down with a triple seal, reported to be true. It's not the first time she's died. Many guard watch over you, Ramond. And with these words, the Abbey walked slowly to the door. I did not see him again at that time. They left for S. Almost immediately. I came with completely restored the health and resumed my accustomed duties. They made me clear and old, and the words of the old Abbey were constantly in my mind. Nevertheless, no extraordinary event occurred to verify the funeral predictions of Solomon. I had commenced to believe its fears of my own terrors that were always exaggerated with one night a strange dream. I have hardly fallen asleep when I heard my bed curtains drawn apart, and the ring slided back again, cut rope with a sharp sound, rose up quickly upon my elbow, they hailed the shadow of a woman suddenly standing erect above me. I recognized Clermont immediately. She brought her hand a little lamp, shaped with the which appeared in place as tombs. Those are placed in tombs. A light blent of fingers of rosy transparency, which extended itself a listening degree, even to the plaque and white whiteness of a bare arm. Only garment of linen, winding sheet which shrouded her, lying upon the bed of death. She ought to gather its folds upon her bosom, as though its shame of being so scantily clad. But her little hand was not equal to the task. She is so white, the colour of a drapery blended with that of fresh, and the plaided light rays of the lamp, enveloped with this subtle tissue, betrayed all the colour of her body. She seemed rather than a marble statue of more, some more fair antique bather, a woman down with life. A dead or living statue of woman, shadow of body, her beauty was still the same, only a green light of eyes was less brilliant, a mouth once so brightly crimson, but now only tinted with faint fervour rosiness, tender rosiness, like that of her cheeks. The little blue flowers which I noticed entwined her flare, withered and dry, lost nearly all their leaves. This did not prevent her from being charming, so charming that withstanding the strange character of the venture, and explainable her manner which she had entered my room, I felt not even for a moment the least fear. Placed a lamp on the table, seated herself at the foot of my bed, then blending towards her me, he said in a voice at once silvery clear, and yet velvety in its sweet softness, such as I never heard from any lips save hers. I have kept thee long in waiting, dear Raymond. It must have seemed to thee I have forgotten thee. I have come from afar off, very far from a land whence no others yet ever returned. This is the, there is neither sun nor moon in that land whence I come, all but space and shadow, neither road nor pathway, nor earth nor foot. The foot, no air for the wing, no rest behold me here, for love is stronger than death, must conquer him in the end. Oh, what sad faces, fearful things I've seen in my way, way hither, 
what drifting my soul returned to earth, the power of my will alone, and been finding its body in stating self in what terrible efforts I made are oh, I look and lift the proper slap with which they cover me. See the palms of my poor hands all bruised, kiss them. Sweet love, they should may be healed. She laid the cold palms of her hands upon my ready mouth, more one after the other. I kissed him, Dean, many times, and she only while watched me with a smile with favorable affection. I caressed my shame. I forgot, totally forgotten the vice. Abbey Saron, the sacred of office within I have been invested. I fallen in restraint. The first attempt. I could, did not even make the least effort to repel the tenter. The full fresh coolness of Camille's skin penetrated my own. I felt the first tremors pass my whole body. Poor child, despite all I saw there afterwards, I can't yet believe he was a demon. At least he had no appearance of being such. Nor did Satan so skillfully conceal his claws and horns, drawn her feet beneath her, and squatted down the edge of the crouch, attitude full of neglect. Coachery. From time to time she passed a little hand for my hair and twisted the curls, though trying how to how this new style wearing it would become my face. I abandoned myself to her hands with the most guilty pleasure. She could compliment her and she accompanied her gentle play, prettiest prattle. The most remarkable fact, I felt no astonishment whatsoever at so extraordinary our having adventure. Dreams come makes it so difficult in accepting as fantastic events and simple facts to all the circumstances seem to me perfectly natural in themselves. I love thee long as ever, ere I saw thee, dear Raymond. I saw thee everywhere, thou waste my dream, I wish. I first saw thee in the church, fade a moment, I said at once, it is he. I gave thee a look which I threw all the love I had, all love I now have, all love I shall ever have. For thee, a look that would have damned the cardinal, brought the king to his knees, I feet in view of all his court. Thou remainest unmoved, throwing thy guard to me. Oh, how jealous I am of that guard, whom thou didst love, and will still lovest more than me, more than me. Woe is me, unhappy me, and that I, that I am, I can never have thy heart at all. Myself, I whom dost recall, to life with a kiss, dead come on, who thy sake burst asunder the gates of the tomb, come consecrate that thee a life which resume only to make thee happy. With all our words were occupied with the most impassionate caresses, which removed my sense and my reason to such a tent I do not, not fear to utter faithful blitz for the sake of consoling her, to declare that I loved her as much as God. Our eyes rekindled and shone like Creo phrases, in truth, in very truth, as much as God, she cried, flinging her beautiful arms round me, since it is so, thou wilt come with me, thou wilt follow me, my observer, Isaiah, thou wilt cast away thy ugly black habit, thou cast, a, shall be the proudest, most envied of cavaliers, thou shalt be my lover, to be a knowledge lover of Calamode, refused even a pope, and be something to feel proud of her. Ah, the fair and speak all happy existence. If we will go on life, we shall live together. And shall we depart, my dear sir? Tomorrow, tomorrow, I cried in my delirium. Tomorrow then? This, so it be, she answered. 
Meanwhile, I shall have the opportunity to change my toilet. This is a little too light. In no way suited for a voyage. I must also fear of, for we've notified to all my friends who believe me dead, among for me to steeply as they are able doing. I money the dresses, the carriages, all will be ready. I shall call for thee at the same <coughs> hour. A dreamful heart. She lightly touched my forehead, her lips. A lamp went out. A dream was closed again. All became dark. A leaden dream of sleep fell upon me. A lead held me unconscious until the morning following. A little later than usual, the collection of this singular adventure troubled me during the whole day. I finally persuaded myself a mere vapour of my heated imagination. Nevertheless, the sensations have been so vivid, it was difficult to persuade myself that they were not real. If without such some imprisonment, what was going to happen? That I was going, got into bed at last, and we prayed God to drive her from all my thoughts of evil, to protect the chest in my slumber. I still fell upon into a deep sleep. A dream was continued. Curses again parted to beheld Glenamore, but not on a former occasion. Pale in a white winding sheet, or violets of death upon her cheeks. A gaze, brightly jaunting, superb travelling dress of green velvet, trim with gold lace, and looped up either side with a loud glimpse of satin petticoat. A blonde hair escaped the thick ringlets of from beneath broad black felt hat. Decorated white flowers, wimbersly twisted in various shapes. In one hand she held a little riding whip, terminated by the golden whistle. She taped me, tapped me lightly with it, exclaimed, Well, my fight leaver, is this the way you make your preparations? I thought I would find you up and dressed. With her eyes quickly, she had no time to lose. I leaped out of bed at once. Come dress yourself and let us go, she continued, pointing the little package she brought with her. Horses were coming impatient for delay and champing the bits of the door. We ought to have been, by this time, at least ten leagues distance from here. I dressed myself hurriedly. He handed me the articles of peril. Herself, one by one, bursting into laughter from time to time, went with us. She explained to me the use of the garment which had made a mistake. He hurriedly raised my hair. This done held up behind me. Little pocket mirror of Venetian crystal. Room with silver for the free work. Playfully asked, Have thou find myself now? What engage me with thy valette de chamber? I no longer the same person. Completely recognize herself. Resemble I thought myself no more than a finished statue. Resembles a block of stone. My old face seemed but a coarse drab. The one reflected in the mirror as handsome. My vanity is sensibly triggered by the mountain. My metamorphosis. Edward Prowl with Edward. Richly embroidered a vest. And made me totally indifferent personage. I marvel at the power of transformation. Owned by a few yards of cloth. Cut there a certain pattern. The spirit of my costume penetrated. Very skin. Within ten minutes with more comes something on Katskun. Katskun. In order to feel more at ease in my new attire, I took several turns up and down the room. Claire Mould watched me, air of material with pleasure, and appeared well satisfied with her work. Come enough of this child's play. Let us start with Mon dear. We have far to go. We may not get there in time. She took my hand and led me forth. All was open for her, a touch. We passed by the dog without waking him. As that gaze, we found Monograntone Mono, waiting. The same suave groom who had once be, before been my escort. He held the bridles of the three horses, all 
black like those of which bore us to the castle. But I am for me, one for him, one for green mode. Horses must have been Spanish connets born in Myers, festivated by Zephyr, for they their fleet of wind itself, and the moon, just risen at our departure, light us in a way, rolled over the sky to, like a wheel detached from our own chariot. We held her a right, leaping from tree to tree and putting herself out of breath in the effort to keep up with us. Soon we came upon a level plain where, hard by a clump of trees, a carriage of four virtuous horses awaited us. We galloped, we entered it, and the prosperous urged the animals into the wild gallop. I galloped, I had one arm around Clover's waist. While my hands started in mine, a hand leaned upon my shoulder. I felt a bosom, half bare, lightly pressing against my arm. I never known such a tense happiness. That hour I forgot everything. I no more remembered having been a priest. I remembered having been doing my mother's been doing in my even I had been doing doing in my mother's womb. So great was the fascination with the evil spirit as I did upon me. But that night my nature seemed in some sort to come hard. There was two men within me, neither whom knew the other. One moment I believed myself a priest, the dream nightly he was a gentleman. Another was a gentleman, a dream he was a priest. I could only want to change him as a dream for reality. Nor could I discover where the reality began or where it ended the dream. The exquisite young lord and libertine railed at the priest, the priest loaded his soul. Dissolute the habits of the young lord, the spell was entangled and founded the one with the other, yet that neither touching could afford a fair representation this bipolic life which I lived. Despite the strange character of my condition, I did not believe that I was rather inclined, even a moment, to madness. I always retained, retained the extreme vividness or the perceptions of my two lives. One, only were there one absurd fact which I could not explain to myself, namely the consciousness of the same individually, visiting two men so opposite in character, is an enemy for which I could not account. Whether I believe myself to be cure, Little videos to see, Lisanor Rimonol, the total lover of Cinnamon. Be as I may have lived, at least I believe that I lived in Venice. I have been able to discover rightly how much of illusion, how much of reality there was in this fantastic adventure. We dealt in a great palace on the Colomolo, filled with frescoes and statues and containing two titans, lovely style, a great master which hung Colomolo's chamber, the palace well worthy of a king. With our globe, Golondla, our Golondla, our own Baccaroni, in the family livery, our own musical, our own special poet, Theo always lived on a magnificent scale. There was something of a Cleopatra in nature. As a mean had a revenue of princess, princes, son, and regarded with such a privileged aspect. Respect had been one of the family, one of the twelve apostles, for English, most serene republic. I could not have turned aside to allow even a doge a pass. Did not reveal, believe that since Satan fell from earth, any creature was even prouder and insolvent than I. I went to Retinono, I played with great luck, and seemed absolutely infernal. I received the best of all societies, sons of ruined families, women of the theatre, shrewd names, parasites, hectoring swashbucklers, and notwithstanding this explanation of such a life, I always made faithful to Grandma. I loved the worldly. She could, she would have existed sanely, itself a chained 
Secret Society. The Kenimoda's was to have twenty mistresses. I to possess a woman to most a marvel. So very aspects of fresh and new few charms. New charms of all and herself. A very communion of a woman and smooth. May you commit with her the infidelity you would have committed with another by donning the perfection, character the opposite attraction, the style, the beauty of a woman, appear to please you. Return my love in a hundredfold, in the vein of young partitions. Even in ancients the council ten made the most magnificent proposals. For Carly, even went so far to offer its brochure. She rejected all these overtures of gold. She had enough. She wished no longer for anything but love. A love youthful, pure, vote by herself, which should be her first and last passion. I could have been perfectly happy, not but for the cursed nightmare which occurred every night, in which I believed myself to be a poor village curate. Practicing modification, penance from my excesses during the day, assured by the constant association with her, I never thought further strange manner in which I become acquainted with Pleomold. The words of the previous Simone concerning her recurred often in my memory, never ceased to cause me uneasiness. For some time, the health of Clemon been so good as usual. Plection grew paler day by day. Physicians were summoned, but could no apparent com- comprehend the nature of Malay and knew not how to treat it. It described as some insignificant remedies, ever called upon, never called a second time. Paleness, nevertheless, visibly increased and become colder and colder. She became almost as white and dead upon the memorable light in an unknown castle. A reader of anguish unspeakable beheld us uh, thus, slowly perishing. She touched my agony, smiled upon me sweetly, sadly, fateful smile, those who feel that they must die. One morning I was seated at her bedside, breakfasting with a little table close, very close in the hand, I might not be obliged to leave her for a single instant. The act of cutting some fruit, I accidentally inflicted a rather deep gash on my finger, a blood immediately pulled, gushed forth in a little purple jet. A few drops spurted upon Claremont. Her eyes flashed, her face suddenly assumed an expression of savage and ferocity dry that never before observed in her. She leapt out of bed with animal agility, agility that were of an ape or a cat, sprung upon my wound, and then she commenced to suck it in the air with unspeakable pleasure. She swallowed the blood in little mouthfuls, slowly and carefully the concern, taste of wine for zenos and circles. Casually, Eyelids half closed, the pupils of green eyes become long, right instead of round. From time to time she pulls in order to kiss her hand. She recommends to press her lips to my the lips of the wound she in order to coax forth for a few more ruddy drops. And she found the blood would no longer come. She rose her eyes, liquid and brilliant, rose in the May dawn, her face full and fresh, her hand warm and moist, in fine, more beautiful than ever, in the most perfect health. I shall not die, I shall not die, she cried, clinging to my neck. How very joy, I can love thee yet for a long time. My life is thine, all of mine, me comes from thee. A few drops of thy blood, and noble blood, more precious, more potent, and all the elixirs of the earth shall give me back life. The scene long haunted my memory, inspired me with strange bouts and doubts of God, dear mould. Some evening, when the summer had been destroyed, brought me to my parapest, Greater more anxious to suspect than ever. He gazed eternally at me, and softly it's exclaimed, 
Oh, not content with losing your soul. You know, as I also lose your body, wretched no man. How terrible plight you have fallen. Turn which he uttered these words powerfully affected me, in spite of his vividness. Even the impression not dissipated. A thousand other cares arranged from my mind. At least one evening, while looking into a mirror, the traitorous position she had not taken into account, saw came over an act of emptying a powder, a cup of spiced wine, she had long been in the habit of preparing. After a repast, I took the cup and then feigned to carry it to my lips and placed it in the nearest article, furniture, and with those attended to finish it at my pleasure, taking advantage of the moment where one's back was turned, and threw the contents on the table, after which I retired to my chamber and went to bed, fully restored, not to sleep, and watch and discover what should come with all this mystery. I did not have to wait for long. Fairmold entered in a nightdress, having removed her apparel, crept into bed, and lay beside me. She felt assured that I was asleep. You air my arm, drawing a cold pin from her hand. hair, commenced to murmur in a low voice, one drop, only one drop, when Rudy at the end of my needle, since thou lovest me yet, I must not die, oh dear, poor love, you little blood, so brilliantly purple, I must drink it, sleep, my lonely treasure, sleep, my god, my child, as you'll do thee no harm, I'll not take thee life, but I must be kept my own, for being very distinguished, but I love thee so much, I resolve to have thee other lovers, whose veins I would, could drain, but since I have known the all other men have become hateful to me, all the beautiful arm, how round it is, how white it is, how shall I ever dare to prick this beautiful, pretty vein, blue vein, of all thus murmuring, murmuring to herself, she wept, and felt her tears rain on my arm, she clasped it with her hands, at last she took the resolve, slightly punched me with a pin, Commenced to suck at the blood with ooze from the place. Though she swallowed only a few drops, the surveyor weakeningly seized her, and she carefully tried a little band around my arm. After rubbing my wound with unguent, which immediately centralized it. Further doubts were impossible. The baby, as Leon was right, never standing with this position. Positive knowledge, however, I could not cease to love Kermode. I would gladly be my own accord have given her all the blood required to sustain her fractious life. However, felt little, but felt but little fear of her. A woman seemed to plead with me, but a vampire, and what I have already heard, has sufficed to assure me completely. Those days I poacherous veins, which could not have been so easily exhausted at present, and not have thought of bargaining for my blood by blood. Rather, I opened myself up the veins of my arms and said to her, Drink, may my love infiltrate itself throughout my body, together with my blood. I carefully avoided ever making the least reference to not drink. She prepared for me, or the instant of the pin. We lived in the most perfect harmony. Yet to my presently priestly scruples commenced to torment me, while never I was lost in imagination, new penance, and events in order to mortify and subdue my flesh. Though these visions were involuntary, though I did not actually participate anything relating to them, I could not dare to touch the body of Christ with the hands of pure, a mind defiled with such debaucheries. They were real imaginary, and effect to avoid falling under the influence of the that these wearisome hallucinations, I strove to prevent myself from being overcome by sleep. I held my eyelids upon them with my fingers, stood for hours together, leaning upright against the wall, fighting sleep with all my might. But dust of drowsiness eventually 
gathered upon my eyes at last. Finding all resistance useless, I could, I would have left my arms fallen of extremity in despairing weariness, and the, cur- the current of slumber would again dare me, bear me again the perforous shores. Saban approached me, most fervent extortions, severally approaching me, and my softness and want of fervor. Finally, one day, when I was more wretched than usual, he said to me, There is but one way to which you attain relief, communal torment, which is extreme promotion, and must be made use of. A violent disease requires violent remedies. I know where Cremona is buried. Cremona is buried. It's necessary that you still disturb her. Terve means that you should behold in a pitiful state the object of your love is, and you will no longer be tempted to lose your soul for the sake of unclean corpse, devoured by worms and ready to tremble in the dust. I will surely restore you to yourself. My partner is so tired of this trouble life, and once consented, referring, desiring to ascend beyond the doubt whether a priest gentleman been the victim of disillusion. I come fully resolved never to kill one of the two men with me for the benefit of the other. Or kill the both, or else to kill both. But for the terrible existence could not longer be endured. The Abbey Saron, already himself a medic, the leave and lantern at midnight, he would have over way to the cemetery, location and place of which were perfectly familiar to him. However, after having directed the rays of dark lantern upon the inscriptions of several tombs, he came upon at last upon a great slab, half concealed by the huge weeds, dried by mosses. And parasitic plants, whereupon he deciphered the opening lines of her epitaph. Here lies Caramond, who is famed in a lifetime as the fairest of the woman. Isicate of Caramond, caught a fit of the son Villiant in Pleias Belliamonde. A broken beauty of the lines is undoubtedly lost in the translation. Is he? Without a doubt, uttered Mertensen Blonon, having his land, placing land on the ground, he forced the point of leave upon the edge of the stone, commenced to raise it. The stone yielded, proceeded to work with a maddock, darker and more silent. The night itself, I stood by and watched him do it, while he, bending over his dismal toil, streamed with smack, panted, his hard coming breath seemed harsh tones of death rattle. It was a weird scene, and uh, had any person from without behold us, they would surely have taken us rather to profane wretches and shroud stealers than for priests of God. There was something grim and fierce in Salon's zeal. I lent him the air of the demon rather than his puzzle. An angel, his great echoing face, with stern features, brought out in strong relief by the lantern light. Something fearsome, which enhanced by unfancied present fancy, and I felt an icy sweat come out my forehead on huge beads, my hair stood up, hideous fear. Within the depths of my own heart, I felt the act of a sure set upon me in Donald's sacrilege. I would, could have prayed with a triangle fire, which issued from the entrails of dark clouds, heavingly rolling above us to reduce into cinders the owls which were nesting in the fresh tree, startled by the gleam of the lantern, flew about it, against it from time to time, striking the dusty wings against its panes, uttering plated cries of emanation, while foxes yelped in the trail darkness. A thousand sins of voices detached themselves from the silence. A large set of groans, manic, struck the coughing itself, making its planks re-echo from a dark, deep, sonorous sound. 
At a terrible sound, nevertheless, utters been stricken. He wrenched upon a hole toward the lid, and beheld Clermont, pallid as a figure marble. Her hands joined her white winding sheet, made out of one fold of her head to her feet. Little crimson drops sparked and sprinkled, a speck drew at one corner of her colourless mouth. So long as spectacle burst into fury, Ah, thou day here, demons, you pure Christian, drink of blood and gold. He flew on holy water upon the corpse of the coffin, which over which he traced the sign of the cross with his binkler. Hogamode had no sooner been touched by the breast spray, the beautiful body crumbled to dust, and fought only a shapeless and frightful mass of cinders and half fixed like conclaimed bones. Behold your mistress, my lord, Lord, cutting the suitable priest. You bend it on sad remains. Were you easily tempted to this parade? A ladle at, oh, at fresco with your beauty. I cover my face with my hands. A vast ruin has taken place within me. I return to my piscary. I would never lord remote and love your economy. separate himself from the poor priest from whom he kept such strange company so long. Once only the following night I saw Claremode. He said to me, she had said the first time, Porters of the church, happy man, happy man. What has I done? Therefore I have weakened. Let him be so priest, but thou art unhappy, thou art a harm, I never burn thee, and thou shouldest violate thy poor tomb. I lay bare the miseries of thine, uh, my nothingness. All communication between our souls, our body, since us were ever broken. A Jew, thou wilt at the end regret me, evancing an air as in smoke. I never saw her more. Alas, my, she spoke truly indeed. I have regretted her more than once. I regretted my hurt still. My soul's peace has been very dearly support. This love of God had not too much to replace such a love as hers. Thus, this brother is the story of my youth. Never gaze upon a woman. I walk abroad, only with eyes ever fixed upon the ground. There are no chase and watchful. Or maybe the error of a single moment is enough to make one lose eternity. Lose eternity.